Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. phrase um is uh well god told me to it's like <laughs> exactly all right, right and and you can change out god told me but it also is the same vein is well the bible clearly says right is rarely like you're an amazing person right it's usually the bible clearly says you're a horrible person chris um and uh two two things um it was inspired by a story i'm gonna share but really um, on social media, I saw another church called Grace Point Church in Nashville. It's a great, great church. Um, and they did a series called Unhelpful. And I listened to a couple of their messages. So one thing pastors do that they don't tell you is that um, they plagiarize all the time. They will steal content, right? They, they, I knew one, one pastor that just went chapter to chapter of a book and never gave credit to the author or the book, ever, right? And so I'm saying... I stole a lot of this from uh, the series called Unhelpful at Grace Point Church. I'm giving 100% of the credit. I took some of their ideas and then put it into, like, um, that would be a little bit more relevant for our area. But also what inspired it, uh, I graduated with um, someone, and we are, I shouldn't say we're, we're not friends. We haven't talked in, like, 12, 15 years. But I follow him on social media, and he's in the academic world. And, like, every five-ish years, he moves to a different school because – that's what you do if you want to make more money, right? Or if you want to have more, a bigger budget for your research. You're going to find opportunities to climb and ascend academia, not usually in the same school. And he put out like, man, God opened the door and told us to go to this school. And I stopped and I looked at it. And I'm like, this feels really the sus-sus right now. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, right? This feels really like, is that, you know, maybe it's God. It could, it could be God that opened that door. Or could it just be, I don't know, capitalism, <laughs> right? Maybe, like, you just knew you could make more money doing this, and so you're going you're gonna to do it. And the idea behind, like, uh, God opening doors is, like, this sense then that is God closing other doors? And do we have to wait till man, no one likes it when the kid's pastor has to walk in because every parent is just like, please not me, please not me, please go somewhere else. <laughs> you guys are like, ooh. <laughs> Oh, what was I talking about? Oh, God closing doors, right? Like, is, is, is God in the business of opening doors? Because even the theology behind that means, like, well, why didn't God open the door for you? Why is that door shut? And did God only open that one door for that one person? It just happened to be so they can make more money? It's funny. We can say things in the name of God. We can look back, and it went well. We're like, oh, that was God. And when it doesn't work out, we're like, oh, it's the devil again, right? Or, or some, something like that, right? And I do believe that God speaks to us. So this isn't me saying, like, anytime someone says, well, God told me, I'm like, oh, you're a liar. Like, what a cold world it would be if we believe that God didn't somehow engage with us. It'd be a cold world um, if I, like, I believe in miracles, I'm super uh, sus-sus. I didn't even plan on that. Right? I'm super suspicious of it. But, like, I've experienced too many things um, with this good and beautiful God where I can't just turn it off. I can't just turn a blind eye. But I'm 
in a different place than I was before. And, like, I believe God speaks to us, but not just in the way of, like, Colton, right? Colton. It's not like God's like, Colton, you should grow a killer beard because it's dope, right? I don't necessarily believe that because then that would be, again, God choosing. And if God can choose, right, then there's also a way of God intentionally not talking to Casey, Say, I'm just not talking to him, right? He should have tried harder. And that's, that is a monster God. I am um, somewhere between this um, philosophy, really, or theologically, it's called open, open and relational God, and process theology. And really what it means is that um, God is not in the business of knowing what's going to happen for the rest of my life. I, I am not just some uh, robot that God programmed and says, here's Chris's life, and now... I don't think God knows everything that's going to happen in the future, which can feel a little scary when I first went down this road. Like, what if God isn't all-powerful and all-knowing, right? I believe that the divine is in every single element of energy. At the core of everything in this world, uh, the God, this divine love is in it. And if that's true, then I say this all the time, then we're all connected and everything belongs. But it also means that God is always engaging me. God is always inviting Dave to be his fullest self. Everywhere we go, we can be inspired by the word of God, by the being of God, this beautiful goddess, right? It means I experience goddess in music. I experience the goddess when I'm listening to jazz. I experience the goddess as I'm walking through Jay Cook. I experience God through my kids. I experience God through your kids, actually, a lot, right? And Because it moves me to a place of playfulness, Right? It moves me a place of wonder, and I love that. So I believe that God is always, always, never not inviting us, engaging us, and speak to us. Right? But there's still this element right, of like God prompting us to be something, to do something. Right? And traditionally, uh, or historically would say, people would say, well, yeah, God speaks to us. It's called prophecy. Right? Anyone here ever claim to be a prophet or prophetess? No? What, Kayla, you sure? <laughs> right? No, right? But I was a part, right? Prophecy is weird. I won't lie. It is. It is right? It's like you don't wake up one day and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring some prophecy around the office today, all right? You're welcome, world. Um, but again, I, I still believe in it. I'm still like, do you believe in prophecy? Like, yes, right? Uh, because my friend Jordan and I, we had this long um, discussion because we both were on the, <laughs> that sounds so funny, we're both on the prophecy team at this church that we used to work for, and now we're in totally different places, and we're like, do you still believe in prophecy? And she's like, kind of, yeah, because we've seen too many um, transformational things happen when someone gave us a word, right? I can think of three things that people s- said, hey, I think God might be saying this, that it just like blew me up in a very positive way. It helped shift me into a different way of thinking and being. Uh, Nikki um, once got a word from someone that no one knew what was going on. Nobody. And they came up and just said it to her. Like, I think this is going on. Like, either that's coincidence, right? Or that could be, maybe this good and beautiful God is going to speak to us in some random ways, right? Um, But also prophecy can be incredibly violent and incredibly damaging, right? Like, I've had enough positive experiences, but I've also had way more, way more negative experiences. I once went to, um, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I went to a youth, uh, youth conference or something like that, and they had, like, breakout sessions, and one of them was on prophecy, and they lined, like, five kids up, 
and they'd be facing the wall. And then they would bring one person in the, in the middle of the room, and then the pastor would go, one, two, three, and then the, the kids would, like, jump around, <clears throat> and they'd look at the person, and they all had to say the first thing that came to their mind, and they called that prophecy, right? Like, I've, I've been to so many and led some of these trainings about this, of helping people, like, well, just trust your gut, which is a beautiful thing, but maybe that's not always the word of God. Because when we say, like, God told me so. God told me to tell you this. What the Bible clearly says, how you think about God and how you think about prophecy matters. Because then it informs how you show up and what you're going to say about God, what it means to be human, what it means to belong to a community or family or friends. Because the reason that that phrase is so dangerous, and we we'll get back to the prophecy, um, is it's loaded with power. Like if I said, well, God told me to tell you that you should quit your job, right? Don't quit your job, <laughs> right? Right away, if you want to argue with me, you're not arguing against me, right? You're arguing against God. And the, the, I didn't mean to go down this road, but especially when it comes to the Bible, right? If people says, well, the Bible clearly says, or a biblical value is, whatever it might be, like biblical womanhood, you know, as people say it all the time, just throw that out. But, um, um, it matters of how you think about Bible because what it commonly is said is that the Bible, uh, what was handed to me is what I should say, is that it's infallible. It never fails, right? And I can get behind that to a degree, but the one I can't get behind is they say the Bible is inerrant. There is no errors. And right away I can tell you there's a lot of errors in the Bible, right? There's a ton. There's a lot of competing things where they say one thing here and then they say another one that automatically contradicts itself. And the reason they say it's inerrant is because if there's errors in it, then it's some sort of human book and it takes the deity of God away, or it takes the power of God away. We, this is all we have to stand on. And the truth is, that's not how the Bible is written. That was not a part at all of the system and the time, the place they wrote all these letters and all these ideas down. Nowhere were they saying, this is perfect. Why? Because they left all the horrible stuff in the Bible, <laughs> Right? They left all of the violence and genocide and assault and horrible things because the purpose of the Bible is to tell a story. To tell a story of this is what we believe to be holy. This is what we believed what God's word. And this is how we were supposed to respond and behave and move in this world with these gods. And clearly it didn't work. Right? I wish they just wrote that in and said, like, yeah, we made a big mistake. <laughs> learn. The, the idea is to um, inspire us to learn and continue to transform. Right? Continue to evolve and to continue to grow. So, if the Bible is not inerrant, right, but in the Bible it still inspires us. I'm going now back to prophecy. Right? We don't need to um, use that power dynamic in order to help people grow. Right? Because a prophet, what the prophets did is not forecast something hundreds or thousands of years. Who's the, the person that used to, not Nostradamus? Nostradamus, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Nostradamus? Got it, thank you. So, and, and like have these like series of events that will happen and one, one thing happens, it triggers the next thing and it's going to be to the end of the world. Prophets had nothing to do with that, right? Nothing. Even what we use um, uh, in the Gospels of like quoting Isaiah, like, like by his stripes where he healed and other things talking about who Jesus was. Isaiah, right, was written by three different people at three different times, no big deal. Um, they had no idea Right? They weren't forecasting the birth of Jesus. They were talking about something completely different. Why? Because that's what prophets did. They talked to a system of power that was 
soon happening, was like years away. In some cases, maybe like a dozen years away. It was never like seven, eight generations ahead. Instead, why do the Gospels use that? Because they say, wow, look at this truth that was true then and inspired people to move and behave in a new way. And we can also say the same about this little baby, about the Messiah, right? It doesn't have to take the power away from that. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read um, Amos, a little part of Minor Prophets. Uh, and this is like how prophets talked. And it's very, it's very um, different from how we talk today. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Now this is God speaking. I hate, I despise religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I'll have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I'll not listen to the music of your harps, but let, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years into the wilderness before people of Israel? You've lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. Right? I love that. Like, Amos is speaking for God because that's what prophets do. And what do prophets do? They go to the system of power. They go to the king. They go to whoever's on the power and has the receipts and throws them on the table and says, this is proof of the things that you say you want, the day of the Lord. Look at what you got because where you're leading to this day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord was this idea of not like heaven. It wasn't like when I die, I will go to the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord was meant to be a present reality that they're moving towards. And that meant there was no debt. That meant that there was um, holistic systems of care. It meant there was a table for you to eat at. There was people for you to celebrate with. It was like the, the perfect idea of what equity should be, right? And the Hebrew people were in exile, right? And in exile was moving and hoping and waiting and also being the day of the Lord. And what Amos is saying is why? Why do you want the day of the Lord? It's going to be absolutely horrible for you. Why? Because your system that you set up, it like benefits a few and it's leaving everyone else out. The day of the Lord is going to be so great for these people. Instead, what you should be doing is you should be the day of the Lord now. Don't wait for it because you are essentially these horrible, evil, oppressive people and you're leaving all these other people um, discluded, Right? You can be that today. You can be that now. And that's what prophets do. They say there's a way of being human. There's a better way of life. And actually, this whole system, you're the one leading it, and it's time to change or else. Right? Like, so what are we supposed to do with that now then? Should we, like, like go up to systems of power and say, hey, you're leaving a lot of people out? Should we go and say this is the word of the Lord? Maybe. <laughs> right? There's, like, two veins. Right? This box. I am... 100% in support of activism. That's what I do, right? To some degree. I look at, like, real activists, and I'm like, I'm like a mini-activist. But activists, nonetheless, I speak up when I see systems of power that oppress or exclude people, right? If that's, I'm meeting with several school board members in the town I live because I want to see an inclusive, safe space for all kids, and especially for queer and trans kids, right? I don't want them left out. 
and that demographic of people is easily targeted and left out, right? Because they're like, ah, it's not my kid. It's someone's kid, and that's what I'm here for, right? I email my, um, what, what is he? It's not my senator, my congressman, Pete Stauber, right? He represents me, and I speak up often with him, and he doesn't email me back, and that's fine, right? <laughs> it's fine, right? But I am committed of when I see something that is injustice, I'm going to speak up. Why? Because that's, what I think, the holiest thing that I can do, right? That would be, like, what I don't, I'm not calling myself a prophet. Don't call me a prophet, Dave, <laughs> right? um, But that's one vein. The other vein, then, is how do we have spiritual conversations, how do we, Cole and I, sit down and, like, maybe there's something I see or something I feel, and I want to share with Cole. How do I help my family and my friends continue to be their fullest selves? Like, if I feel God is prompting me to be or do something, how do we do it? Because, again, if I went up and said, well, God told me to, it's, it's just, it's, that's not helpful. So here's a practical way. There, there is a story where Jesus heals this blind guy. And the blind guy is like, wow, this is really great, right? Wow, this is awesome. He knew nothing of the person of Jesus. And he's walking down the road. And the people who had the power of the system at the time, they're like, hey, who did that? And he's like, I think it's this guy, uh, Jesus. And they're like, oh, he's a bad guy, right? He's like, uh, I don't know. They're like, no, 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 he's bad. And the guy goes, I-, I-, I can't tell you if he's good or bad. I can't tell you if he's a sinner or a saint. All I can tell you is that I was blind, and now I see, Right? And what a beautiful way of existing. Instead of me trying to convince you of something, instead of me trying to convert you to something, like all this guy does is says, I don't know. I don't know if he's good or bad. All I can tell you is my experience. It's when we share our experiences where people can hear us and we can hear them, that's how we grow in love. That's how we can actually bring some sort of um, engagement, how we can continue to transform and evolve. Because when I say, oh, this is my experience from reading Amos, or this is what I experienced when I was walking through the woods, or this is my experience in my marriage, right? I don't have to defend that, right? And I don't need them to move. It's not me using this power play to move them to where I'm at. It's just simply, this is what I believe when I read, taste and see the goodness of God, right? Then it creates room and space for other people to share their experiences. And I can listen, then we can grow and we can be better. And to me, that's like the holiest thing we can do is by seeing the humanity in other people. So, this is where I end. Let's say, all right, I do want to give Dave and have this conversation with Dave. I think maybe God is prompting or activating this conversation before you have those conversations, and also in the activism as well. Ooh, I'm going to stay in this box. Um, two things have to affirm the humanity of the other person always. Always. It's really easy for me to look at people who are a, a different um, political place, right? For me to say, to strip them of humanity and they're just their ideology, right? I strip them of humanity when I treat them like, oh, you're all just like this, right? That is an evil thing for me to do and it's so easy. Anyone else? So easy to fall into that category. Even with some of the, the, um, the questions I'm going to have for the school board people, it'd be easy, based off the words that they said, for me to say, well, now you're this person. Anytime we take the humanity of other people, that's sin, right? That's like, I have now just moved into <laughs> the very thing Amos said to the king, right? You have to affirm the humanity. And second, it has to always lead to like a flourishing life. Always. If it doesn't help Casey be better Casey, then, like, then I'm just shaming him. 
If it doesn't help Ross be a better Ross, then I'm just using my position or my power to get him to a desired result. Right? Here's an example. Um, I had, um, I have lots, I shouldn't say lots. I've had several conversations with people who are in really, um, were in really hard, toxic marriages. And this one, this person, um, we got coffee, sat down, and they're like, um, here's my experience, here's what's happening. Um, I think I might want to get a divorce. And then they like looked up at me, like w- waiting for the pastor, be like, oh, God hates divorce, no, 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 no divorce, ah! right? And like run around the coffee shop. And, <laughs> right? And, um, and I said, well, what's your experience, right? I'm affirming their story. I'm affir- affirming their humanity. And they shared how their partner uh, for a long time has just not seen them as even being human. It was just a, 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 a means to their own end, right? They were distant. They weren't involved. It was, it was toxic. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, I think I want to get a divorce. I'm like, what can we do to help? How can we best support you, right? So in a way, right, what we're doing is I'm affirming that person's humanity, and they, they said, and I think this is going to lead to a, a good and beautiful life. This is going to help to my flourishing. I followed up later. I said, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And they're like, I've never been more happy, and I've never been more scared. And both realities can happen at the same time. And where that person is now, they're absolutely flourishing. But here's the thing, Right? I didn't have to go and say, well, if only you had a marriage like Nikki and I, and you should just do these things, right? Because God hates divorce. Hey, the part in the Bible where it says God, it does say God hates divorce, is not talking about anything at all about, like, the marriage that Nikki and I have. Zero. In Matthew 19, man, you guys are getting some extra preaching today. In Matthew 19, where, um, where Jesus is defining about what marriage is and, you know, this is when you can divorce, has nothing to do with, like, a litmus test of should you get divorced or not. It's 100% about Jesus stripping down the patriarchy and empowering women to think and behave for themselves, right? That's 100% of what that's about, not about, and, and I'm saying this because us Christians have given divorce. Again, I'm pro you not getting divorced. <laughs> I'm in favor of you not getting divorced, but I believe that we have to normalize that sometimes it absolutely needs to happen. It absolutely needs to happen. And when we can, like, move in the way of God, when we can be inspired by the, the word of God and move in it, then we can all be at different places, different experiences, and share those, and we actually grow by learning from one another instead of trying to get everyone in to one nice little box. That's easier. That is a way easier to be human by putting everything in boxes. It's a lot harder to be in this nuanced world where I believe the divine is speaking to us. So I'm going to pray. And when I'm praying, if there is... Um, what do I want to say about this? If, if there's been this inspiration or this word, maybe you've had like this nudge of like, hey, I think I'm supposed to talk to this person. Hey, I think I'm supposed to go sign up to volunteer for this. Or I think I'm supposed to like let this system go. As I'm praying, I'm gonna, and just invite you to like give some energy to that and begin to engage with the Holy Spirit of what it might look like if you did that or you stopped doing that. And I think and I hope that maybe that divine love will meet you in that decision or in that word. So let's pray. So God, we love you. And I thank you that we do not live in this cold world where you exist but don't engage. And I pray that we can hear uh, your voice, 
we can feel your light, we can experience your love. I pray we can experience that now. And I thank you that we can move and engage with your word, regardless if it's the Bible or if it's a comic or it's in the woods. I thank you for that. And will inspire us to continue to be and do better things. And I pray for my friends who feel like they have some a word or a nudge to pick something up or put something down. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and you bring wisdom and strength and love. And lastly, I pray for myself and I imagine others that we can just put that toxic way of treating people as ideologies or as a group instead of seeing the human. Help us be able to affirm the humanity in everyone that we engage and everyone who speak. And we love you. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for coming to the neighborhood. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. The Vikings are going to win by 100 points today, and that's not what's going to happen. Thank you. <laughs>